Thank you for listening to In Search of Missing in America. This is my first podcast on a missing child. I've been avoiding doing shows on missing children because it's a difficult topic for me to discuss. But for some reason, this case spoke to me, so I reached out to the parents. As I was working on the show, I couldn't help but remember the book An Orphan's Tale. There is a quote in the book that says, A wife who loses a husband is called a widow. A husband who loses a wife is called a widower. A child who loses his parents is called an orphan. There are no words for a parent who loses a child. That's how awful the loss is. I sat with those words for quite some time and finally found the courage to finish this show. On May 6, 2020, three-year-old Dylan Ehler went missing from Truro, Nova Scotia, a maritime province in Canada. His mother, Ashley, dropped him off at his grandmother's home while she went for a visit to a friend's home for coffee. Ashley handed her mother Dylan's harness with instructions on how to use it. Dylan had a history of being a runner. He was a toddler with fierce independence and quick legs, not unlike most toddlers. That Wednesday on May 6, Dylan and his grandmother were outside. Dorothy turned her back for what seemed to be mere seconds to harness her dog, and when she turned around, Dylan was nowhere to be seen. Sadly, Dorothy didn't harness her grandson. Applied a harness and with the construction for the safety of Dylan and now if they had it been properly uh, used, um, he'd still be here because she put the harness in the dog. The dog's still here and Dylan's not. You know, there's that's a problem in my eyes. Dylan was supplied with the harness because he's a runner. I um uh, I have uh, two kids. My daughter's uh, thirteen. And she would stick with me, you know, when she was little. And I used to kind of, you know, stop at the people who had these kids off leeches. Like, I used to let your kid on a leech. And then I had Dylan, and he was complete opposite. He was a runner. He would take off. You know, it was hard to keep track of what he did take off. So I got him a harness. For his safety, he, you know, he's just little. He'd run out into a parking lot or onto the road to get hit. You know, and I don't get to him in time. And apparently he's run off on or before two or three different times, so he thinks he followed the instructions of his parents. So well, at the end of the day, there is no excuse for the dog to be safe and that's not Um, I think that maybe she didn't think that she needed it. And he just went against what I said, you know, not for, not for any reason, but, you know, she just thought, well, you know, I can drag him on.
Dylan's grandmother's house is close to Leper Brook, which merges into the Salmon River. On the day of Dylan's disappearance, the brook and the river were full and fast moving, and that was due to recent precipitation. In fact, the water level at the time was purportedly waist-deep on an adult. Leper Brook is approximately 100 to 300 meters from Dorothy's home, a quick walk for an adult, but perhaps a few minutes longer for a toddler. On the day Dylan vanished, Dylan was allegedly reported missing around 1 o'clock. A neighbor heard Dorothy screaming for help and called 911. Sadly, Ashley's phone hadn't been working, and she didn't find out her son had been reported missing until almost two hours later. Dylan's father, Jason, arrived at Dorothy's home around 3 p.m. and found out his son had been reported missing. According to the U.S. Sun newspaper, police arrived at the scene within four minutes. He went missing May 6th, uh, 2020 at around 1, 1.15. So that particular day, um, I had decided to go over to a friend's for coffee, and uh, I got my mother to babysit for a few hours. And um, yeah, so I dropped him off in the morning um, between ten thirty and eleven, and uh, around one o'clock, he was reported She took him outside to play. Um, and she took the puppy outside and she, uh, turns her back for, he says, second to tie her dog up to the lead and don't move on from her yard. I didn't find out until, um, after three o'clock. Um, my phone wasn't working at the time. Um, and, uh, my dad ended up having to come out and, and pick me up and tell me. I was at my mom's when he went missing. I was texting Dorothy, the grandmother, and um, no response. So around, and that was around 2.15, 2 o'clock. And then eventually I decided to drive down with my mom, or I drove her down, and um, went over to pick him up, or, well, not to pick him up, but to go get a phone number from Dorothy to find out, well, because I wasn't sure where my son was at the time. If uh, he had been with Dorothy's grandmother or at Ashley's or with Ashley's story. So, so, yeah, so when I when I arrived at Dorothy's, the cops were there and I got out and said, you know, I'm just here to get a phone number. Is Dylan here? Where's, the grand- uh, where's Dorothy? And then the cop told me my son. You know, and then and all we get is a, a brief second. Yeah. She looked away. Pretty hard to believe. I found out about a little after three. And then Ashley probably didn't arrive until probably close to four. If I had to guess, he went out the driveway. It's the easiest way to go. The same way he ran out a few different times, apparently. So, you know, I know me being a parent, when I tied my dog, he was outside, I'd always have my eyes on him. 
you know, you don't you really need your eyes on a dog when it was on a leash going outside to begin with. So you already had control of your dog, right? Then you get out to your lead, you watch your child, you hold your the leash of the dog and you clip the the um the outside lead onto the harness and unhook the leash from inside. You know, I just don't understand how she bought scrap. At the height of the pandemic, most people were home when Dylan went missing. It was in the early afternoon when Dylan disappeared. So why didn't anyone see anything? COVID-19, everybody home and nobody's anything. You know, and then we were told that uh, as soon as she screamed for help, or a neighbor came outside, a neighbor came outside across the street. You heard Dorothy's um, calling for Dylan or something. She called 911. Dorothy didn't even call 911. So um, apparently as soon as one of the other neighbors down the street heard everything, he ran down to the brook. Um, it was, you know, pretty fast. And he said there was no kid down at the brook. So, you know, it, with stories like this, it's really hard to pinpoint what's going on. It's, you know, he should have been seen, especially if a, man, a, um, a fellow ran down, you know, pretty quick as soon as um, soon as um, the panic started. What is most interesting is that Dylan most likely would have had to have gone through the woods to get to the brook. When I looked at the surrounding geography, I noticed that the woods are thick with tall bushes, trees, and tall grass. It would be challenging for an adult to meander through the terrain, let alone a toddler, but somehow Dylan allegedly made it to the brook. Um, there's uh, a brook behind her house, and uh, his boots are found in the brook. The brook leads to a bigger river that leads out into our bay. It leads out to the Atlantic. In the summertime, that brook is, is mostly dry. But at that time of year, this time of year, in spring and early summer, um, it Just floods, it gets, it, it rushes. It was, it was rather high that day. It was probably, um, in some places, way steep on an adult. Yeah, I mean, it, it would take a child a few minutes to get there. It's not like a hot skip and jump. you got to go through the woods. Stuff like that. Dylan Ehler is three years old. He is Caucasian, three feet high, weighs about 32 pounds, and has brunette hair. His right eye is half hazel and half blue. He was last seen wearing a camo winter jacket with a fur hood and USA patches on the arms and chest, a red dinosaur t-shirt, camo jogging pants, and gray and orange rubber boots. The true police began the search for Dylan, lasting six days. Police used a mannequin to match the height and weight of Dylan, equipped with radio transmitters, and also used underwater cameras. 
Truro police conducted ground, air, and water searches for three-year-old Dylan. Colchester Ground Search and Rescue and the Truro Fire Service also assisted with a search for Dylan. I asked Jason and Ashley if they felt the authorities are being helpful in the search for their son, and their feelings are mixed. Now, as I have said in previous shows, police departments are stretched thin. They have budget cuts, lack of grants and federal funding, and short staffing. It can be challenging for authorities to focus on cases, but those statistics don't offer any solace to parents who are missing their children. In fact, when a child goes missing, parents expect every resource to be provided, every moment devoted to finding their child, and rightfully so. But, like in the United States, Canada also faces challenges with missing people. They lack resources for their families, they lack advocacy, and are advised to seek themselves for canine search dog organizations. All the while, the parents are grieving, not sleeping, not eating, making flyers, organizing fundraisers, setting up their own search and rescues trying to manage their missing loved ones' social media pages, meeting with a few media outlets that will listen, and denying themselves time to care for themselves. Canada and the U.S. desperately need advocacy and counselors for missing people's families. But for, for, for a missing child in Nova Scotia, Canada... It really is up to the parents. I know that um, we had to find our own organization with Cadaver Dogs, so they were called Nova Scotia Canine Search and Rescue. Um, they didn't tell us about um, Crime Stoppers and Missing Children's Canada. You actually have to register your own child under that. They don't do it for you. The cops don't do it for you. They don't even tell you you have to do these things, right? Um, so then when we started making a reward for Dylan, we asked the lead investigator, you know, how do we go about making a reward for Dylan for his safe return? And the best he could come up with was uh, Google it. You know, that's the support we had for, for that. You know, and you think over time they change it, like Amber Alert down here just messed straight up. You know, they send out a non-intrusive alert, you know, Almost three hours, almost three hours after my son goes missing, you know, if they had just sent one out as soon as they arrived when they couldn't find them, you know, people would have been on the roll or on the ball. I mean, they're helpful, but we feel like they they have tunnel vision. They firmly believe Dylan went into the brook and they haven't really looked at any other options seriously, such as, like, kidnapping. You know, they, they take in tips, like, into them, but they're, they're pretty certain that he went into the book. They try to brush us off every chance they get. Meaning that they don't really, they're not really interested in hearing it, right? They, they firmly believe he went into the book, and, and that's that. We don't know anything. They don't really explain everything to us, right? So we're kind of in the dark. But, you know, when I arrived an hour... Or when I arrived, the the canine, their canine dog was just getting there. So it took their canine dog even over an hour to get there. So did the officers just stand around and wait for that dog? The dog had that much time to wander off near bro? No, it, it, did the grandmother tell the truth on when she called the cops? Did he go missing at one? Did he go missing at 1230? Like, 
what happens? <laughs> that's kind of what we get, you know, that's our son. You know, why we can't get his files, we can't get any, you know, any substantial information from them to even tell us what they did in a, um, what the statements are from, from other people, you know, we, we don't have any information. There was even a lot of tech tests done and, you know, the, I haven't even got information back on that yet. As always, I reached out to the Truro Police Department to see if I could get a statement regarding Dylan's disappearance. And unfortunately, I never heard back. As I continue to talk to Jason and Ashley, they said that authorities are focused on the theory that Dylan was swept away in the rushing water. But Dylan's parents want to keep an open mind and feel Dylan could have also been kidnapped. At this point, they believe either scenario is a possibility. When Dylan went missing about seven hours later, his boots were found in the water. One boot was found on the bank of Leopard Brook. A couple hours later, one boot was found on the riverbank. According to Dylan's parents, one boot was lodged in a shopping cart stuck in a hole in the brook. But the boots don't make sense to Dylan's parents. They were found separately, seven hours later. When Dorothy screamed for help, a neighbor immediately ran to the brook and didn't find Dylan, no articles of clothing, and certainly no boots. Another theory surfaced while talking to Dylan's parents, and that is, Dylan may have been kidnapped in his boots thrown off a bridge that passes over Leper Brook. Another theory Dylan's parents have is that there is a halfway house for previous criminals very close to the grandmother's home, and they wonder if someone from that home could have been involved. But they're keeping an open mind and ultimately just want their son back. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm just saying, there's, there's a lot of, how do you explain, true? The possibilities are there. I mean, it happens. It's a very hard Okay, well, okay. It's a possibility. I mean. Basically, they say, um, the, um, the statistics of a missing child being found in a body of water are 3%, 3% chance. So who's to say someone just didn't right place, right time, some sicko, there's a halfway house not far by, by the grandmother, a lot of, lot of, lot of weird people in Toronto. And, um, anyway, um, who's to say someone just didn't toss food and everybody off, but, um, took Dylan and, you know, just saying that anything's possible because there's no evidence. There wasn't really, there was no footprints. There was just no evidence of Dylan, right? Other than the boots in the water. And they found them seven hours later. Um, actually, one was hung up in a shopping cart. Yeah, no, I know that. That's how far from grandmother's. Um, like 300 meters from the grandmother's house, the first boot was found. And, um, anyway, um, the first one was found in a shopping cart in a hole in the water. 
the, the water swirls kind of in a corner and back out. So it caused the hole over time. The second boot was found underneath the same bridge, um, underwater, but near the shore. And, um, you know, I don't understand how they didn't even see the boot up there. If one was near the shore. There's just a lot of things don't make sense to me, Steve. Just a lot of what ifs and what happens. And, you know, and, and we've had, uh, you know, a few, um, retired RCMP officers that help look for missing children, you know, and they, they went through the brook and, you know, the, one of the thoughts the officer had was, you know, if the boot was in the shopping cart, you know, why wasn't it in the shopping cart? You know, it's, just a lot of a lot of theories and a lot of uh it's just more questions so all we get is more questions. There's a lot of uh unanswered questions. I asked Dylan's parents if they hired a private investigator and they said they did. And he investigated the area where their son was last seen and even questioned the grandmother about what happened. However, the appointment had been cancelled by the police, so the investigator couldn't go any further. Jason said that the investigator does have his own theories. We did hire a private investigator. Um, it, he was able to um, kind of investigate the area of Dylan's last scene, um, and he was able to um, question Dorothy um, about what happened that day, um, and he made an appointment to meet with us and the police officers to let everybody just kind of work together. And then that that cut short. Uh, the police canceled that appointment, so we couldn't go any farther with the private investigator. Yeah, his theories are back to Dorothy. Yeah. There's a there's a, a witness and her timeline's not making sense, so um, we're just still waiting patiently on what's happening. Jason and Ashley have conducted their own search and rescues every single weekend since Dylan vanished in May of 2020, almost one year ago. Every single weekend, they walk roads, wooded areas, fly drones, walk riverbanks, desperately searching for their son. The community has even come to help Ashley and Jason on their searches despite the ongoing pandemic and the losses other families have faced, like unemployment or illness due to the virus. Their community are the angels and the advocacy for Dylan's parents. One once a week, every Sunday. We're doing it every Sunday and uh, Saturday and Sunday now. But um, we've done one week, one a week for almost since Dylan's been missing. It's a loss. Yeah, like absolutely. for an example, I went out today and walked two kilometers with the with a friend and deer. And now we I do that a lot. So it's not only the the weekend searches, it's, it's almost every day. You know, I bought a drone. We got our license to fly drones to use. Uh, there's a, a search and rescue program for drones. It's called Lock 8 Search and Rescue. 
And so your drone will, um, my drone will it'll automatically do uh, grids, automatic flight grids. So it'll it'll fly whatever grid you put on the map automatically, and it'll take pictures. And then you take them pictures and put them through the rescue program, which will it'll go through all the pictures and um, um, basically you can choose colors. So let's say it's Japanese red. Um, we put red in the program and it will go through all the pictures and it will put everything red. So. I asked Jason and Ashley about the ransom letters or emails they've received from alleged kidnappers. As a side note, I'd like to talk about this really quick. Sadly, there are groups of scam artists on the internet who cruise missing persons websites to collect information about missing people. They then will text a so-called ransom request to the family or send them a direct message on Facebook. Authorities all over the U.S. and Canada are well aware of these scam artists and suggest the following. If a caller keeps you on the line for a long time requesting ransom money, ransom money is only accepted via wire transfer or calls come from Puerto Rico with area code 787-939 and 856, you can rest assured these calls or messages are scammers. I have a link on my website regarding this very issue. Go to www.insearchofmissinginamerica.org for more information. Dylan's parents have been through enough trying to find their son every single weekend, making flyers, meeting with media, creating merchandise to raise funds, and trying to internally deal with his disappearance. To have some alleged kidnappers reach out just adds to their trauma. Now, let's listen in while Dylan's parents talk about this criminal issue with alleged kidnappers who are actually scammers. Jason also talked about how the COVID pandemic has made things difficult to find his son because everyone is wearing a mask, including children. He said that the police have called him to look at videos to see if he can identify his child. But he said it's difficult to tell and sometimes these children do resemble his son. So, Jason and Ashley anxiously await an answer for weeks, praying their son has been identified, only to be let down later. It's a re-traumatizing event that no parent should ever have to go through. You know, a lot of them have VPNs and they're from, you know, third world countries or overseas. You know, it, it's tough though. I mean, and you know, not only to go through all that, you get all the tips. You know, so the cops will call you when you come in, look at this video, and you see, you know, children and everyone's wearing masks nowadays. So you see a child that resembles your own child, and you know, they they act like your child, but they got the mask on and. You know, you wait two weeks and you're thinking, oh my God, could that be him? Could that be him? And then, and you know, and then you get the heartbreak that it's not right. And think about doing that every day for, for almost, a, not every day, but, you know, a lot for months and months. 
I asked Dylan's parents if there's any CCTV or home cameras that may have caught Dylan on camera, but sadly, he was not caught on any footage. We we did do that. We went through the area and we asked all the neighbors if they had any cameras and nobody has cameras. The police went and they, they gathered all the the footage from surrounding businesses and everything. He wasn't on any of those. Jason spoke about his dissatisfaction surrounding the circumstances of Dylan's disappearance. Being a psychology major, I just wanted to insert some interesting and maybe helpful information here. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a psychiatrist, and in 1969 she coined a theory on death and dying, the five stages of grief. When a parent loses a child, they're going through the grieving stages similar to death. And one of those stages is anger. And anger is one of those stages that people return to time and time again, which is normal. Instead of accepting something so tragic, people rebel against it. They feel injustice, resentment, blame, and anger. It's a powerful rejection of loss. While Jason isn't angry per se, he certainly is frustrated and rightfully so. Any parent would be frustrated over the circumstances of Dylan's disappearance because their child is no longer by their side. Jason and Ashley's feelings are normal and their wounds will need time to heal. And now is the time Dylan's parents could use all the love and support from family, friends, and their community. Tying a dog for a brief second, right? There was no, there was no traffic. There were no people around, right? So how do you lose track of a kid tying a dog? You should have had your eyes on him, right? It's pretty simple. So it's it's just the story is a little bizarre. Two seconds and he's gone. That you know you should have your eyes on him while you're tying the dog. I, I have a big family, right? And I expected you know a lot more help in a situation like that, but you know it's um. It really seems to be always on the parents. Um, you know, it came together real good at first, but um, you know, I I expected. I don't know what I expected. I thought it was going to be a lot different than than it is. It's it's uh it's quiet. It's like family kind of ran away. Judge that, but I. But I feel neglect. There's obviously neglect. I'll always believe there's neglect as well. Yeah. You should have had your eyes on Dylan instead of a dog. I've owned a dog and I just don't see how you lost track. I asked Ashley and Jason if they could talk about the fundraising they've been doing for Dylan. They've been selling car deco, bracelets, and face masks, and a family friend started to go fund me for them as well. Their Facebook group is called Dylan Ehler Search Updates. There, you will be able to purchase merchandise to help Dylan's parents fund Dylan's cause. You will also see hashtags on Facebook and Twitter, Boots for Dylan, and lots of posts with green and blue hearts. These represent Dylan's eyes, one that is half hazel and half blue, a beautiful and loving tribute for Dylan. 
we do still have it. We have $18,207 um, for Dylan's reward. Um, and the first big chunk of it, uh, the first, what did it get up to? $12,000 was a GoFundMe that a uh, family friend created. And she initially started it to help us, um, you know, pay some bills, get through some rough time while we try to find out. And that GoFundMe just kind of exploded. And we decided to put that towards Dylan's reward for information leading to him um, or bringing him home. Um, and then we um, got some. Um, bracelets and some masks and car decals. Um, the, the, the car decals and all the, um, they're, they're called, um, boots for Dylan? Um, they can go to our Facebook group, uh, Dylan Ehler Search Update, or message us privately. I asked Jason and Ashley if they have a message they'd like to share with the community. Let's listen in as Ashley responds. Yeah, um, if somebody out here is listening to this and and they have our son, you know, bring him home. Uh, he deserves to be home. He needs to be home. Um, for anybody who wants to come and help search with us, don't come to our group, come search with us. As always, this podcast was done with the complete cooperation of family. You can find my Facebook group under In Search of Missing in America, Reddit under Missing People 1, Twitter under Missing People 90. The 90 stands for the 90,000 people who go missing each year on Instagram, In Search of Missing in America, and my comprehensive website, In Search of Missing in America.org. This is a website for families with missing loved ones. Thank you for listening to In Search of Missing in America. I appreciate any feedback from listeners, so send me an email in search of missinginamerica at gmail.com if you have a case you're interested in hearing. While it's not necessary, if you want to become a listener supporter, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash help find the missing and click on the listener support link. Here you can subscribe by contributing 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 a month. It will help with podcast equipment and other expenses. Thanks again so much for listening and please be safe.